Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. And for the rest of us, go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of John. We're going to look at uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. So John 21, verses 1 through 17. As I just prayed, we're going to look at the, uh, the Lord's uh, resurrected appearance to the Apostle Peter as we go through our sermon series, Encountering the Resurrected Lord. And so we'll see what that means to the Apostle Peter and how that has some points of application for each and every one of us this morning. Uh, before we start that, I just want to ask, and you don't have to raise your hand because I'm sure we all would, do you ever wish you could press the reset button in a certain situation in your life? Like, oh, I wish I could start over again. Whether it was uh, that day, you know, that just a bad day at work or a bad day with some friends or some family, or maybe like you look back on your life and you're like, man, I wish I could do something different. Maybe it was, you know, you look back at your childhood or your teenage years and you wish you could start that over again. Or even, uh, even as a parent, I'm sure this goes through all of our heads as it does uh, mine and my wife's. It's like, oh, I wish I could, you know, do it differently. You know, the way we raise our children, we always question yourself, did I do the right thing? Did, uh, you know, we make the right decisions in life? And sometimes you see the, the fruit of that, which is good, and sometimes like, oh, I wish I could do that again. You want to hit the restart button. Uh, well, we don't really get to do that, do we? Life just keeps on moving, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on the situation. We grow and we learn from that. Well, in a sense, and in, in a much more meaningful way, and really in, that's impactful on our eternal lives, uh, when we come across the encountered uh, Christ, we do in some sense get a restart or a reset in our life. And so I want to talk about that this morning as we look at the Apostle Peter's encounter with the resurrected Lord. And there's three things we're going to find in Peter's encounter uh, that we're going to focus on this morning. So let me tell you what those three are so it makes it real simple, uh, and then we'll go through it, talk about it, and then see how it applies to our lives as we go through it. So we're going to see a reset button hit in three different uh, ways for the Apostle Peter. There's going to be reconciliation with the Apostle Peter. There's going to be recommitment and recommission. So those come up there for you that are taking notes, and this is easy to remember. Reconciliation, recommitment, and recommission. So as you guys remember, in eighth grade English, I'm sure you had to learn prefixes, right? Everybody's like, what? The word R-E, re, means again or anew. So when you look at that, there's going to be, uh, again, like a, or a new reconciliation with the Lord, what we'll look at, what that means, reconciliation, and recommitment. Well, reconciliation, a better way of saying that is a, a restoration to friendship or harmony. Reconciliation means to restore to friendship or harmony, and we're going to see that in this morning's story. The word recommitment, 
thinking of again the prefix again or anew, means to entrust or consign again. So it's a, you know, you're signing up again in one sense to something. And we'll see that this morning. And finally, recommission means to be commissioned, to commission someone or something again. All right, we're going to, again, these are all areas of restart or refreshing or renewing, specifically in the Apostle Peter's life after he encounters the resurrected Lord. So with those in mind, let's go through the text this morning. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14. I'll read through those, and then we're really going to focus on, in this part, the reconciliation part of Peter's life, and it's reconciliation to the Lord. So let's read that together. As a, Well, I'll read it. You don't have to read it out loud with me. I've to be careful sometimes. You're like, oh, okay, we're reading it together. No, we're not doing that. Just follow along. I should say that. Uh, so starting in verse 1. So after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. So these are some of the disciples who were present at this encounter with the resurrected Lord. So Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. And yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid, and fish placed on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And we'll stop right there. So there's a lot going on in the story. There's a lot that can be said. But I, as I mentioned, I really want to focus on the reconciliation aspect of the text. And again, this is reconciliation to the Lord. And as I mentioned at the beginning, reconciliation means to restore to friendship or harmony. So God here, we see, seeks out Peter in order to reconcile him. That's who we're going to focus on this morning. Right? He wants to restore Peter to friendship or harmony. 
Because there's no doubt, as you know this story, the Apostle Peter, who has denied knowing the Lord three times before his death, and even fled the scene, just like the rest of the apostles, probably had some uh, internal, you know, something going on in his life. Maybe there was no peace. He was struggling inside. Something was going on that wasn't giving him a peace about what was going on in his life. So... I see God here seeking after Peter to reconcile that relationship. And as you see in verse 1, Jesus, it said, manifests himself a third time by going out to the Sea of Tiberias. The disciples weren't the ones going out looking for Jesus. They had already seen him twice now. As the text says, this is the third time. They're going fishing. They're going back to what they knew, you know, to be out for whatever reason. Nobody really knows why they went back. To go, to go fishing again, but they did. But they weren't seeking after the Lord. You see here that Jesus comes to them. Jesus manifests himself to them. And then you see that Jesus calls out to them from the shore to see how their fishing expedition is going. And it's not that Jesus didn't know how it was going, right? The Lord knows what's going on. But I think he asked the apostles how it was going to get them to admit that they have been unsuccessful on their own. Right? Doesn't the Lord do that to us sometimes? He asks us questions so that we can kind of wake up. Or maybe, maybe when you remember when you were younger and your parents said, what are you doing? They knew what you were doing. They're trying to get you to wake up and realize that what you're doing was wrong. And so in some sense, I think Jesus, as he calls out to them, and says, have you guys caught any fish? Or you haven't caught any fish, have you? It was to get them to realize, no, we haven't. We need help. They've been unsuccessful. So again, you see it is Jesus calling out to them. And then in verse 6, later on in the text, you see that Jesus gives them direction on where to catch the fish. So you're not being successful. Maybe cast the net on the right side of the boat. And then finally, in verse 12, Jesus, as we see as they come on shore, invites them to breakfast. And I point out those aspects of the story because I want you to see that it is God initiating everything here. He manifests himself. He calls out to them. He gives them direction. And he invites them to breakfast. You know, if the Lord had not done this, Peter may, may have been left wondering, who knows, his entire life, was he okay with God? You know, because again, the last time that he had saw him, as, as far as we know, outside of the resurrection appearances, he didn't, it didn't leave a good taste in his mouth. He had denied the Lord. And even though he had seen him, we're not privy to the conversations that took place beforehand. And so here we see the Lord seeking after Peter. So in this situation and in our own situations, in our own lives, it is the Lord who initiates the reconciliation with us, isn't it? It's the Lord who moves first. It's the Lord who creates the desire in our hearts to come to Him. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19, the Apostle Paul says this very much, that it is God doing the reconciling with us. He says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself, through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, 
and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Again, the point being, the point being is it's the Lord. God the Father sent God the Son to reconcile the world to himself. He did it all. The Apostle John, even recording Jesus' conversation in John 6, verse 44, says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Again, it is God who does the drawing to himself. He draws all men to himself. And then we're reminded, even in our love for God, in 1 John 4, 19, that is, we love because he first loved us. Right? Hardly any of us sought after, we're like, you know what, I need God. I'm going to go to church and find God. No, somewhere in that process, I guarantee it was God who was moving behind the scenes, whether through it was a friend or family member, or maybe even in your own soul, in your own heart, drawing him, drawing you to himself. Because our nature is not like that. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, he says this, There is none righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. You see, our sinful natures do not naturally tend to gravitate towards God, to seek after God. It is God doing the reconciliation. And in the text this morning with the apostles, and specifically with the apostle Peter, it is Jesus reconciling himself to Peter. Again, he went to the sea. He called out to them. He gave them instruction. And he invites them to breakfast. It is Christ doing the reconciliation. So let's look at our second point this morning. So not only do we see Christ reconciling to restore that friendship and harmony with the Apostle Peter, but he also, re he's going to seek a recommitment, a recommitment to the Lord. Again, as I said at the beginning, recommitment means to entrust or consign again. So God is giving Peter the opportunity to recommit himself to the Lord. As I mentioned earlier, Peter has fallen or failed in his commitment to the Lord, hasn't he? Again, remember, he fled when Jesus was arrested. He denied knowing the Lord three separate times. And as a matter of fact, Peter contradicted his earlier statement about to the Lord. Remember when he was boasting in front of the other disciples, when the Lord was saying, you know what, tonight you know, I'm going to be uh, turned over, and you guys are all going to flee. And in Mark chapter 14, verse 29, what does the Apostle Peter say? He says, Lord, even though all may fall away, probably pointing to the other 11, like even though these guys are going to fall away from you, Lord, what does Peter say? Yet I will not. It reminds me of my parents would say, never say never, because when you say never, you usually end up doing the thing you never said you would do. But Peter was like, even though they all fall away, Lord, I won't, I won't do it. And as you know, he does. He denies him exactly like the Lord said he would. So here we have Jesus seeking after Peter, giving him the opportunity to recommit himself. So let's look at verses. Uh, this is recorded in verses 15 through 17, and let's read that. It says this, So when they had finished breakfast, 
Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And probably pointing to the other disciples that were there. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was, great, or was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. So there's that exchange, again, as I would mentioned, where the Lord gives Peter an opportunity to recommit himself to the Lord. And Peter does it, right? Peter says three times, even though it says he was a little grieved that he asked him three times, that I love you, Lord. You know I love you. Peter acknowledges his love for Jesus, right? He says, you know all things. Like, you even know it better than myself, Lord, that you know that I love you, right? Just because he failed doesn't mean he didn't love the Lord. But Peter needed to know that himself. The apostles needed to know that. They seemed to look to Peter as a leader. And so here again, the Lord gives him that opportunity. And notice that Peter calls him Lord, meaning master. So not only is he acknowledging his love for Christ, he's acknowledging that, you know, I'm your servant. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to follow you, Lord. I love you. And this is evidence uh, this is evident in the, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, where Peter's writing to, apostle, to, the, to the church much later now, after this, after this episode. In 1 Peter 4, 2, Peter writes to the church, he says this, So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. He's saying, now that we're believers, we no longer live like everybody else. We live for the will of God, the very thing that he called Christ Lord, meaning I'm, you're my master, I'm your servant, I'm going to live for you. He now writes to the churches to live for the will of God, which seems to indicate that he understood it, and all his life he lived it out. He recommitted his love for the Lord. And this morning as you're hearing this interchange, or exchange here in the text, Maybe you recognize that you've fallen from the Lord in your own life. Maybe you've begun to stray in your love for the Lord. And this morning, he's asking you that same question that he asked the Apostle Peter. He's saying in your heart this morning, do you, do you love me? How, how do you answer that? I mean, that's only an answer that you can give. You know, your family members can't give that for you. Your friends can't answer that for you. Your children can't answer that for you. Your parents can't answer that for you. Right? God pulled Peter aside and said, do you love me? He didn't ask all the disciples, do you love me? He went to the apostle Peter in this exchange and says, do you love me? There's no doubt in, in our lives at one point or maybe in the past, even now, the Lord's saying to you, do you love me? And I would ask you to answer that question for yourself. Do you love me? the Lord. How do you answer that? 
Do you say, yes, I love him? I do love him, even though, I've, even though I mess up, right? We could all say, hey, we mess up. We fall. There's nobody perfect. But maybe you've fallen far away where you've kind of faded in your love for God. And the Lord's saying, do you love me? Then you need to recommit yourself to me, just like he's given Peter the opportunity to do that. Maybe some of you this morning are hearing that and you're, you're saying, you know what, I do. I, need, I love you, Lord. I want to recommit my love to you, myself to you. Or maybe some this morning are saying, no, you know what, I, maybe I don't really love the Lord. If he was to ask me that, could I say I love him? And maybe it's because you've never really understood what it means to love the Lord. What does that mean? Does that mean you love the Lord because you go to church? Is that what love is? Does a husband love his wife just because he comes home every night? No, he could just be going through the motions. So I invite you this morning, if, if you realize, you know what, I, I can't answer yes to that, I would invite you this morning to commit yourself to the Lord for the first time. Again, the Apostle Peter, when asked that question, says, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You know I love you. So we see this recommitment from the Apostle Peter. And thirdly, we want to look at the third point in this morning's sermon, the recommissioning of the Apostle Peter. That's also found in verses 15 and 17, because after each question, when the Lord says, do you love me? Peter answers, what does the Lord say to him? He says, tend my sheep, shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep. He says, since you love me, now go out and take care of the flock of God. Peter is recommissioned. Again, I said at the beginning, commission, a recommission means to commission someone or something again. And so he's recommissioning Peter to God's work here. At the very beginning of Peter's discipleship, Peter was called to be what? A fisher of men. He's called to be a fisher of men. Now he's being recommissioned to be a shepherd of God's sheep. Three times again, the Lord commands Peter to express his love and to take care of the flock of God. It's like he's, he's saying to Peter, if you love me, Peter, if you love me, then you'll love the flock of God. You'll tend them. You think of that's maybe an old word, like tending to somebody. I think of Little House on the Prairie, you know, where Paul tells Lord to tend the tend the cows out in somewhere outside, wherever they were. You know what I mean. What does that word tend mean? It means to, to care or to look after, to care for them, look after. So the, the apostle is being told to care and look after God's flock, God's people. And again, if you look at Peter's epistle in 1 Peter chapter 5, you see Peter really seem to understand this because now he encourages elders of other churches to be good shepherds. In his first epistle, again, in 1 Peter chapter 5, turn there with me. It's a, it's a longer section, verses 1 through 4. This is a great, a great section for elders of the church. And it says this, this is exactly who he's talking to, the Apostle Peter, the shepherds. He says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is be, to be revealed. 
So he's identifying himself as a fellow elder. Like, hey, this is our commission as elders. Here he's received it from Christ and John, and now here he's passing that along with his experience. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So again, here Peter is saying, care for the flock. Tend God's sheep. Shepherd God's sheep. This was the commission that he was given, or the recommission, and he's sharing that with other elders. God's work here is caring for our brothers and sisters. And let me say this, this commission is not just for elders, is it? In this section it is, in 1 Peter Right? But we are all, as the church, called to love, to encourage, to, put, to protect, and to build up one another. In one sense, we are all to tend to each other's needs. Right? And this is displayed in a number of ways within the church. Right? As we serve one another in different roles, we all have different gifts that we receive from the Lord, and we tend to one another's need by exercising those gifts within the context of a church. Again, Peter charges the church in his epistle, if you just go back one chapter to 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 11, look at what he says. He says, to sum up, all of you be harmonious. So he's speaking to the church. All of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing. Oh, I'm reading the wrong verse, sorry. I'm reading chapter 3. That was a good one too, though. That applies, that applies to you too. But go to, verse, go to chapter 4. Look at verse 8. Above all, here's what it says. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it to the ser- to excuse me, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, it is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, it is to do as the one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter's charge to the church is to love one another, care for one another, serve one another. I love that. It reminds me of our membership class, and I hope that comes across to those that have been in it. That's what, we're gonna, that's what we do as a church. That's why you become a member of a church, to do that within the confines and the context of a church. This was what the charge is by the apostle. So again, tending or being recommissioned to tend to the needs of the flock is not just the elder's responsibility, 
but it is all of our responsibility to care for one another. Let me ask you this morning, do you feel commissioned to tend for your brother and sisters in this church? Do you have that burden? Do you, do you care for them? Do you care about them? Do you love the flock of God? How are you doing that? How are you manifesting the commission that God has given you to tend the flock? And maybe the Lord needs to recommission you, right? Sometimes, just like the apostle Peter here, he was to be a fisher of men, but now he's going to be the shepherd of sheep. So that means, hey, sometimes in ministry we're recommissioned. Maybe we're serving in one aspect of the church and we're recommissioned to do something else within the church. I get a little leery, and, and this is just me personally, when somebody says, you know, I need a break from church or serving in the church. And there's a time for that, that we all need a break, but it shouldn't be so long that you never come back. Usually when this happens, it, it's the first step where they're falling away from the Lord. They need a break from church, from ministry. And there's a time to be refreshed and rejuvenated, but don't let that be too long because the devil can use that to draw you away, to get you out of fellowship, right? When somebody starts to miss church one day, one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, turns into a few months, it's so easy to stay away, stay engaged, Maybe God is calling you to serve in a different area. You know, one time I started serving in the church, I started with fourth grade, all fourth graders, for a long time. And then I felt it became a burden, like I wasn't looking forward to it anymore. And God moved me into junior high school, and I started serving in the junior high school ministry. And then I came over to this church, and I still worked with youth, and then God moved me into another ministry. Hey, temporarily... Teach the adults of the church for a while. And then he gave me a burden to want to just do it, you know, as my only ministry. And thankfully, he allowed me to do that. But God can, re and I say that all just to say that God recommissions us. If you are serving in the church and you don't, it starts to become drudgery or you're not looking forward to doing it anymore, then maybe God's calling you to serve somewhere else within the church. Not just to take a break, but to recommission you. So maybe you need to be recommissioned, and maybe you need to be commissioned for the first time. Maybe you find yourself, hey, I'm not really serving anywhere in the church, but I feel like I need to. I would encourage you to seek out uh, myself or one of the other elders and ask, where can I serve? Because again, that commission is for all of us to tend to the needs of our brothers and sisters. So we see here in Peter's encounter with the resurrected Lord, he is reconciled to the Lord as the Lord seeks after him. He's recommitted to the Lord, right? He says, I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you. He admits it. And then he's recommissioned again the Lord, through the Lord. The Lord says, okay, now I want you to shepherd my sheep. And as we see in his epistle it seems that he carried that out to the very end of his life. And so today, as I close now, today we, when we, meaning you and I, when we encounter the resurrected Lord, we're reconciled to the Lord, right? The Lord calls us to himself. The Lord sought after us and called, him, called us to himself, and he reconciled us 
through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ, and we're reconciled to God. We also, after encountering the resurrected Lord, we are recommitted to the Lord, right? We are brought into, uh, to given a new love for the Lord. Or maybe some of us, again, need that. We really do need to recommit to the Lord. We've fallen from following after the Lord like we once did, and we need to recommit. And I would encourage you to do that. And thirdly and lastly, maybe again, as I've been, I spent a few moments ago talking about, we need to be recommissioned by the Lord. Maybe the Lord's calling you to a different ministry within the church or for the first time commissioning you or giving you a different perspective on life. You know what? We're sometimes so focused on things outside the church, they become more important than things inside the church, and the Lord's got to recommission us and refocus us within the church. And I want to end with this text. You can turn there with me if you'd like in 2 Chronicles 16. This is the story of King Asa. He was one of the good kings. One of the few good kings in the nation of Israel, particularly in the southern tribe of Judah. He has a great story, and I would encourage you to read it on your own. But specifically, we're going to look at verse 9. So just a little background as we close out here. King Asa was a great king, a good king in the eyes of the Lord, and he served the Lord all his life. And he trusted the Lord. And as he trusted the Lord, the Lord gave him great victories. But as he, as he, lived, you know, as he lived and as he came to another battle, in this particular battle, he decided, you know what, he maybe relied on his own strength. In particular, he relied on foreign treaties with other nations. It didn't look to the Lord first. And, the, and a prophet comes to him and tells him here in 2 Chronicles 16, you'll pick it up in, uh, actually go to verse 7, 2 Chronicles 16, 7, because I, it gives you a better understanding of what's going on. He said, so a prophet comes to him and says this. He says, at that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa the king of Judah and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God. This is where he was trusting in foreign nations. He says, therefore, the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the, the Lubim, or the, yeah, the Lubim, an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen, yet you relied on the Lord and he delivered them into your hand. So he's recounting to him, There was a time when the odds were against you, but you trusted God and God delivered you, but you didn't do it this time. And look at what he says in verse 9. He says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And I just want to end with that little verse for this purpose, for this morning. God will show himself mighty, on our behalf, when we're committed to him, when we're trusting him, when we stop trusting the Lord, you know what? Sometimes the Lord allows things to happen in our lives to get us focused back on him. And I would encourage you this morning to commit yourself to loving the Lord and serving the Lord because the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro and he wants to show himself strong on our behalf. I always, that's one thing that's always I've always said to myself, man, what if I was, and this is probably bad theology, so I'm sorry, but like what if I was just a little more godly? 
Would God do mighty things in my life? And I know that's not always true because God looks at our heart. He knows our motivation. But here we're told God's eyes look to and fro throughout the earth that he may support those whose heart is completely his. And my encouragement to you this morning is, is, or in my question is, is your heart completely the Lord's? Can you truly say, I love you, Lord, even though I fail every day and I mess up, I do love you. Who knows what the Lord could do with each of us this morning if our heart is completely the Lord's. So again, I encourage you to be reconciled to the Lord. Recommit yourself to the Lord and be recommissioned by the Lord. All of us are in some area of that, of those three R's in our life. But I look forward to what God can do in each and every one of our lives as we give him our heart and truly love him with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this text this morning. As we look into the encounter that the Apostle Peter had with you and how you sought after him and loved him, even when he failed you and you helped him, you gave him a chance to recommit his life to you and you recommissioned him. And I pray that this morning for those of us this morning who are listening. Some of us are in that area of our life where we need to be reconciled to God. We have yet to have peace and harmony with you because of our sins, because we have yet to fully embrace your work and your love for us. And I pray this morning that if there's anybody here this morning who needs to be reconciled to God, Lord, that you would move in their hearts and draw them to yourself and they would answer that and follow you. I pray also, Lord, for those this morning who need to recommit their lives to you, they're believers, Lord, but, you know, they've, they've lost that first love. They've kind of drifted away. They've lost their way. Their eyes have been more focused on things of this world or just been distracted. I pray, Lord God, that you would draw them to yourself and you would ask them in their hearts, do you love me? And they would reply yes and recommit themselves to you. And I pray for those this morning who need to be recommissioned in their ministry, in their love for the flock of God, that you would give them a ministry where they could tend to your sheep. Each of us has our part, Lord God. You're so gracious to include us in your work in the church. And we thank you for that. And I pray this morning that you would give guidance and direction to everyone who desires to serve you this morning. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you sought after us and have called us to yourself, and you have given us salvation. Thank you so much, Lord, and we pray this morning that you would continue to bless us as we worship you. And it's in the name of your Son we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.